there's a lot of really sh- um, vapid. You're gonna say mon- shitty? Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was gonna say downright shitty. Welcome to Darken the Page, a podcast for lovers of writing and the creative process. And now, here's your host, Dave Buddha. Welcome to Darken the Page. Today's guest is Kamala Devi, and she joins me to talk about how she wrote her latest book in a month. Uh, she did the November Writing Challenge. And the three stages of writing, you know, how important it is to not edit as you're writing. And we talk about the positive and negative effects of Facebook and, and why we're all becoming better spellers, um, and we don't even realize it. So if you want to go to the show notes, check out darkenthepage.com slash 012. This is the 12th episode. Make sure if you enjoy the show to leave us a review on iTunes and tell your friends. And if you have any feedback for me, you can email me, Dave Buddha at darkenthepage at gmail.com. Here's the interview. I'm here with Kamala Devi. I am I'm so excited to, to be here with you today. I, I just mentioned in our little pre-show chat that I, I, when your name popped up in my head to interview, I, it just made total sense because some of my favorite moments with you is when we've shared the, the love of, um, of creating something magical, of, of creating, uh, whether it's like a theater thing or whether it's writing. Um, and I really, I really just get how, um, how, how much you hold this thing that called art in such a beautiful way. And, and then come to find out you've had just massive amounts of experience teaching people about the creative process um, you know, writing yourself. I, I can't wait to talk about the the book that you just wrote and, and you did it in such a short amount of time. And so thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you, Buddha. This is exciting. Yeah. I'm um, here in San Diego um, and my home by the beach. And I'm, you know, just delighted to make a connection with you in Bali and it feels like the creativity bridges across <laughs> across the continents <laughs> across space and time yeah 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 so so just give me a brief background on you know summing up this massive thing called you as an artist um but just a little background on where you've been and and then maybe the the current project that you just i think you're finished with it now would you say yeah yeah i'm so. I'm, I'm happy to i am you know there's a line by Ani DeFranco and it's Mm -hmm. like art, something I can't define. And -hmm. it's such a strange feeling to live for something you don't even can't even define. And Mm -hmm. I feel that way. Like I, what animates me is art. And so my artistic journey, you know, I think when we become like artistic adults, cause we can all attest to, you know, the plays that we did as kids or the macaroni necklaces or the, you know, (laughs) making perfume out of flowers. Like, I really do feel that art is not just writing that, that happens to be my chosen craft, Mm -hmm. but, um, but it comes through us in so many different channels. Mm -hmm. And when we artistic adults, it's when we actually find our voice. And Mm -hmm. so for me, the distinction is, um, a lot of the childhood kind of creativity play, um, trying things on is looking for your voice. Mm -hmm. And then in 
college, when I looked to my left and my right, and I heard different coming out stories by feminists and lesbians, and I felt like, oh my gosh, I have a story to tell, and I have a, a unique voice to tell it in, and I started writing lesbian-themed plays. Mm-hmm. And so my, my artistry started in playwriting, and I have about a handful of plays that were mounted, um, which is very collaborative art. Um, you know, I started as the writer, but I've also done directing and acting. And, and so my... You know, out of college, my dream was always to have a theater company, but the um, but the written word is where, to me, that's the foundation. That's where it all starts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it starts in vision and in inspiration, and then it goes from thought to word. Yeah. And I, you know, currently, well, we've been a little dormant lately, but for five years, I ran a theater company called Tantra Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do all kinds of outrageous, yeah. revolutionary acts of art there. Very true. You've seen some of it, I'm sure. You've yeah played yeah. played with us. If I recall, you improved a bit with us. So yeah, I did. That's fun. Um, and then I took a break from <laughs> I took a break from my theater because I I got the opportunity to do you know two years of a reality show, mm-hmm. and that's a very unique type of art where it interfaces with Hollywood and, you know, where art becomes industry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But what, one of the things that characterizes all my art um, is that it all has a flavor of activism in it. Mm -hmm. Um, So personally, whether it's the nonfiction or the fiction books that I'm writing, everything I do has an, evolutionary impulse. You know, I'm creating art because I want to, to inspire the world to change and grow. Mm -hmm. And that happens to be my unique voice. Um, and then the most empowering thing that I do as an artist is help other people find their unique voice. Like what is it, what's their message? What's their contribution? Mm -hmm. Um, and opening that in people through, uh, whether it's the artist way or creativity coaching, Mm-hmm. Um, or even just someone who's never acted, getting them on stage and helping them have a breakthrough performance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and tell me about the the latest project that you did the um, the one the book you wrote with Roxanne. Okay, so um, the book Fifty Two Fridays with My Bitch isn't that a catchy title? <laughs> I, love, I love my ex- accented bitch too. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> So 52 Fridays with My Bitch is a collaboration with my girlfriend, and it's strangely autobiographical, but it is a novel. So we're doing erotic fiction. Nice. And when I completed it, the completion is um, very subjective. You know, most novel writing or any book is a very iterative process. Mm -hmm. What I announced... To the world when I completed my book was that I had finished the NaNoWriMo 50,000 word challenge of November. And so I don't oh, know if nice. you've ever, have you, have you heard of it? Yeah. Di- different authors have mentioned it in the show. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun, um, it's sort of like these extreme sports, you know, how athletes are now doing these tough mutter, like triathlon sort of challenges. Yeah. If you're a writer and you want to do this extreme, like unrealistic thing, you try to write a novel in a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it really gets the juices flowing. Um, and so I took the 
concept of my love affair with my polyamorous girlfriend. And I said, well, let me see what it looks like to, you know, condense this into 52 Fridays Mm -hmm. and try to tell this story in a month. Yeah. Yeah. And how was that process for you of writing it? I mean, that's, that's a lot of writing in a month. And although I think you were, you may be ready for it, you know, like you, you kind of, I think you know, had this confidence about it, having done a lot of other stuff. I mean, how was that? Did you, did you it's find it shit. easy? Did you find it hard? <laughs> it's a shit ton of writing. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's crazy making. I don't think it's sound practice at all. Um, but if, you know, if a writer's like, if, if you as an artist need social accountability and you need a big challenge and you want to like get your ego involved, then, then go do this crazy thing. Cause uh-huh. it'll, um, it'll challenge you and it'll humble you both because at the end of it, you have a mountain of dribble. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's probably brilliant stuff that came out too, but you, when you're just pushing for a word count, um, in unrealistic conditions, you're going to be prolific. You're going to produce, you're going to hear your voice. It's all good stuff, yeah. but it's more akin to an exercise than a craft. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's definitely breakneck speed and not sustainable, um, but it's but it's valuable. Yeah. So when you say it's more of an exercise, less of a craft, um, you still find that what you wrote is, you know, mostly useful. Or do you mean like, um, you know, what came out? Uh, yeah, I mean, tell me more about that. Or do you find that uh, now that having sure. written that, is it is it like finished? Does it need you know more months of maybe like going over and editing or chopping down stuff or what? Yeah, nobody I know, um, you know, with, with the exception of these absolutely romantic, idealized um, channeling experiences where people just download something word perfect. I mean, uh-huh. with the exception of that kind of a freak thing. Nobody I know can write a novel in a month. Right. Um, you can spend all year pre-writing, which many of these NaNoWriMo geeks do, and then you have not, then you have thirty days to absolutely hack in and fill in fill in the blanks of everything that you've pre-written, um, and then by the end of it, you've got a decent first draft. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't see it unless there's an act of magic or miracle. I don't see it possible, Mm -hmm. but I do teach this course, um, how to write a book in 90 days. I've Mm -hmm. taught that, uh, you know, for a a handful of years. And the premise of it is not that in 90 days you'll be done with your book, but that you can take a month to pre-write. You can take a month to write and you can take a month to rewrite Mm -hmm. and, learn those three very different uh practices mm-hmm. and that as a again exercise will train you in what is my voice as a pre-writer what is my voice as a like white hot creative who's actually in the throes of writing versus what is my editor rewriting you know syntactic grammatical geekery about mm-hmm. and um, so it's a really wonderful training my how to write a book in 90 days really gives makes those those distinctions and i think as an artist <laughs> i'm gonna get religious with you mm-hmm. uh with your permission <laughs> that's a good that's point sort of the, <laughs> that's sort of the i'm holy in bali trip. so you know whatever uh, oh yeah they do all <laughs> kinds of ritual there and you know and Bal- balinese have their own 
Hindu holy trinity. So mm-hmm. if you look at it like, you know, there's the creation process, there's the maintenance process, and then there's the destruction process because editing is very much, oh, I'm going to cut, I'm going to, uh-huh. you know, craft, I'm going to refine, I'm going to, you know, yeah. Stephen King says you're like killing your darlings. You're actually cutting to the bone when you're yeah, rewriting. Totally. So it is, it is like a holy trinity practice. I love that uh, what you said about editing being the destroying. That mm-hmm. that actually really, because I do find that one one of the things that I do, and this is actually happens when I edit as I'm writing too, is there's always that one darling. There's always that one line or one thing that I, I want to keep in there and I really, really, I really, really like it. And that was sort of the impetus for even writing the, this thing that I'm writing. Cause I had this, this one paragraph or something and it's always got to go. It's like almost <laughs> always, that's the thing that's keeping it from all flowing uh, uh-huh. because I'm hanging on to it. And it's, yeah, it's like, it's like having to get rid of a child. It's sad <laughs> and you can't even yeah. use like, I can't, I think, Oh, well, I'll just put it in like this, you know, uh, document for later and, and use uh-huh. it. And it just doesn't work ever. It's like, usually, the, the sometimes art, it comes back. I, I feel you. The um, artist way calls it a creative miscarriage. Yeah. And Julia Cameron really insists that we mourn those losses, mm-hmm. that we you know put them to rest in a way that's like, okay, I'm going to eulogize that this part of me never gets expressed. Uh-huh. And only when we fully mourn it is, is there space for something new to grow. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I love that. That's really sweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so tell me more about the November that you spent. And, and uh, I noticed you, you you put together a Facebook group, too. So there was kind of a like a social accountability. Um, what are some other tips and tricks and habits that you used? Okay, well, social accountability is big. Um, I know that there are, there's a tendency for writers to become reclusive. Mm-hmm. And if you are an, a truly an introvert and you really prefer to read and write than to socialize, like what a, you know, what a gift it is that writing is your calling. Mm-hmm. Um, but for everybody else, it's a burden to be like, Hey, I writing is a lonely fucking process mm-hmm. and accountability in writing and I'm not, I'm, by the way, I'm not a fan at all of these read and critique circles where you get together and you tear apart a few pages and you talk about it ad, ad nauseum. Like, I don't give a shit about other people reading my writing and what their opinions are. What I yeah. want is the kind of accountability that holds my feet to the fire. And whether that's my page count, my word count, or I'm just going to write about that rape incident, mm-hmm. the one that I've been resisting. Mm-hmm. Um that there is no more powerful muse than knowing that people are going to ask you, so how'd that writing go? You know, that, that I have to, you know, face mm-hmm. people's kind of, in, kind of integrity test. Yeah. Like, are you what you say you're going to do? And so I find just having a group where you get to make a declaration, this is what I'm going to accomplish this week or this day or this month, mm-hmm. and then being able to, talk about it with people who really care mm-hmm. is what makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny. I, I, there was a writing group that met here in Ubud and I went to one 
session, it was kind of like what you described. Like you brought a piece of writing and then you read a couple pages and then they gave you feedback and it, it felt very academic. It, it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't light me up. Um, I was just excited to be around writers cause I like writers. They're kind of mm-hmm. fun and quirky, but, but the actual critique process, um, it wasn't all that exciting to me. And, and, and so I stopped going. <laughs> It could be counterproductive. You know, it can be mental masturbation. when People are sitting around and over, you know, over talking some little concept of the story. I do want to say, you know, we're really lucky, Buddha. We are writers in a time of great convenience, not just with technology, but also the self-publishing revolution. Mm -hmm. That that we can, you know, we, we can kind of citizen journalism style syndicate our own writing without having like these big trade publishers find us. Um, And I bring that up because I think there's something these days about writing, the writing process is still antiquated. Mm -hmm. People are still writing in a way that was how how it used to be, which was for an agent or for an editor. Like they have that in mind. That's where those writing circles are are valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, that now that we can post blogs and, you know, Facebook notes and (laughs) Mm -hmm. that that there's a different kind of writing that we need to um, condition ourselves for. Mm. Let's talk more about that because I think that's, I think that's very fascinating. And one of the episodes here, actually, I talked to um, a guy named Jason Harrison about how, you know, social media actually really fuels a lot of, um, are writing. And, and I know for me, one of the things that I do is if I'm feeling kind of stuck and I want to get a, a sort of rant out, I'll think to myself, well, what would I, what would I write if this was just a Facebook post? Because there's something about a Facebook post that is very, you know, not threatening and not, you know, it's just like, okay, cool. It's, it's simple. Um, so say, yeah, say more about that for you. Okay. So I believe (laughs) this is fun for me to test because I've actually not taught this, uh, but I've been geeking out about what effect Facebook has had on the written word. Mm-hmm. And I believe that, A, it's like the greatest quantum shift in redefining what writing is. And, mm-hmm. B, it's the biggest tragedy of our time. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, and both those things are simultaneously true. Now... Let me start with the tragedy, which is just because you ate beans for lunch or your cat sat on your lap and left a mess of hair or whatever little mundane detail happened to you does Mm -hmm. not an interesting story make. Right, right. (laughs) But people have a whim to post it and they've got an audience and they're going to get a bunch of likes because of, you know, because the wind's blowing that direction. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of really... um, vapid you're gonna say shitty yeah i was (laughs) i was gonna say downright shitty and shitty has its place in writing so this is where it's the greatest benefit okay so the downfall of it is that people are getting socially rewarded you know so uh you stubbed your toe and you post that you know Right. right um kombucha is no longer available at your favorite store and you post that and people are like, yeah, yeah. You know, I like, 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 like what happens in head when you get 40 likes on your kombucha sale post is Uh dope hits go off and you're like, Oh yeah, that was good writing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
the, 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 and people will be like social commentary, you know, you're pissed at the man, whatever it is. Yeah. Outrage porn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the tragedy is, so you're getting rewarded for, um, kind of the validation, right? And you mm-hmm. think that's good writing. That's the tragedy is that now we're no longer discerning on what really makes, what are the elements of good storytelling? Mm-hmm. And we also lose sight of how to tell a complex, longer, iterative story mm-hmm. because we will send um, kind of scraps and pieces. We'll syndicate those, and those little pieces aren't often woven into a larger tapestry in a mm-hmm. way that's really meaningful. Mm-hmm. And the benefit, of course, is that people are now practicing writing and speaking and sharing at a much higher volume and magnitude that they ever did before. And mm-hmm. they're encouraged to do so. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's more deeply rewarding. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's a beautiful thing because people are using, you know, like it's like the modern love letter, the modern pen pal, the, it's a way of connecting us to, to words and, and, and heart and story and, and glimpses of each other's moments. And, you know, it is really a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's lost is the rewriting. You know, a good Facebook poster has cultivated the ability to discern what is what makes a po- you know a a worthy post mm-hmm. and they and they're listening for that and they cultivate that ability and they start posting these brilliant things but they no longer have any motivation to rewrite craft or polish that because the dopamine hits already out and they're on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what does make a good Facebook post? I wonder what makes a good Facebook post is different than what makes a good blog or novel mm-hmm. or, and what's important for our listeners and for any artist is to know what your medium is. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets, gets dicey. I, you know, in the, in the years that I've been teaching how to write a book in 90 days, everybody wants to write a book. And then when I listen to their premises, I say, this is not book worthy material. Mm -hmm. Um, write a blog, write an article, you know, and, and I think you hit it, you know, when you say, Ooh, when you're writing your book and you say, well, what would make a good Facebook post? And you say, Oh, then I rant about something. I think rants are appropriate on Facebook, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and if you're doing blog to book, which is a whole new medium, which a lot of people are doing successfully and some not so much, mm-hmm. um, it's, it really is a different kind of voice. It is sort of like, ooh, one rant to another, we're, and we weave those rants together. Hopefully, you know, the, the tapestry does have some refinement to it before it's published. Mm-hmm. Um, but that still doesn't tell a good story. Yeah, yeah. I find for myself that there, it, I do get mixed up sometimes in doing, you know, let's say, so all there's the spectrum of what well, would seem like Twitter to book chapter or something. That would be like the spectrum maybe. But a lot of times, you know, I, I, I get, I get kind of mixed up because I think when I'm writing, quote unquote, writing a book, I have it that it should be a certain way. Or I have it that it should be proper, more proper sounding, or that I have to use better grammar, or that I can't insert as much of my personality and in, in how I 
uh, formatted or, you know, and, and, and there's sometimes there's a loss of creativity in when I, when I think I'm writing a quote unquote book, or maybe I'm writing an article for another website or a magazine or something. And then I can't be myself like I am on my blog. Um, have you experienced some of that? And, and cause it uh, seems like you have a, there's a difference and, and, and that's useful yeah. for you. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. what you're describing Buddha is the most classic mistake mm-hmm. that is confusing the editor for the writer. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if, if our listeners get one thing from this interview, I want them to get that there are three personas within each artist mm-hmm. and everything you just described is totally appropriate for the editor, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, what's my, my voice and how much ranting and, and my sentence structure and should it be more elevated and all of that's totally appropriate for the editor. Mm-hmm. That's not necessary at all for the writer. Mm-hmm. You know, the writing happens from a place of like, oh, I'm telling a story. I'm, I'm, in the white hot like unfolding of what it is I want to say. Mm-hmm. And the most cla- the, the thing that happens is when people don't cultivate these three different personalities and they start to muddle and merge, it's um it's just trouble untangling it down the way mm-hmm. or or you get a whole lot of confusion in the you know in the drafts. Mm-hmm. So you know, so what I, what I want is to empower people to be like, be an awesome editor. And maybe, maybe in the beginning, before you start a story, you make all those executive decisions and that's all pre-writing. You know, what is the voice I want to do? What, how, what is the length of this article? What is the style? And, you know, and you make those pre-writing decisions and then you go into the throes of just letting it come out. And sometimes it'll shock and surprise you how a lot of those decisions that you initially thought you were doing are going to course correct in the actual writing. Um, but when you change hats and you put on the editor, you have to be consistent in like, Ooh, this is the style and the voice. And this is how we, you know, weave it all together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It'd be fun to actually wear different hats too. You know? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, okay. So I have some more questions here that I, that I really like asking. Um, how do you, so this is, this is, a this is a question that I think you'll appreciate too, because it's, it, it maybe dives into a little more of a spiritual realm. Um, but when you're, when you're in that zone and things are just really flowing and they're going great, um, what is that experience like for you? There's not a picture for me cause it's, I'm very auditory. I mm-hmm. hear voices. Mm-hmm. I don't see them. Mm-hmm. And even if I'm describing a scene in a, a, a setting, you know, the describing is, is a voice that comes through me, which is pretty unique to like my creative process. I know there's, mm-hmm. I, you know, I worked with one artist who literally I had to get her up on her feet and move her around the house so she could physically show me, you know, it's almost like she went into minority report kind of like moving shit. That's not really there. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, it was really trippy to watch her artistic process because it's totally different than my own. Um, but the picture for me is invisible. Like I dissolve and these voices sort of take over. Mm-hmm. And I know that there 
me, you know, it's some alter ego aspect of me. And it fascinates me how a character would be sharing a story of something that happened from my distant past or something that I'm excited about doing in the far future. Mm -hmm. And that that somehow just like comes through, you know, like Mm -hmm. again, time, time and space collapses and creativity is just flowing, but I disappear. Mm -hmm. I really feel like I'm just a channel and the storytelling's coming through. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. It's, and it's funny because it, it, I have the same experience and it's like when I go back and reflect on what happened, that's only when I realized that I wasn't there because in the mm-hmm. moment it's like, I don't, I'm not thinking about myself. It's just, I'm not even a part of this whole thing. And then I'm like, Oh yeah. Like I wasn't really like, I was just, doing there was no <laughs> me, you know that's really cool um what are some quirky things that you do in your creative process that you know maybe like if i followed you around for with a with a video camera for a day as you're writing like what were some what were some things that would be surprising maybe that we you noticed know, about you thanks i'm so much less superstitious about writing than i used to be you know oh, i feel like on, that's no I feel, fun like, you know like like i have one superstition and and that's when i hit a home run i just touch all the bases you yeah. know yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and i say that because sometimes i'm writing you know on a layover at an airport and sometimes i'm on my belly in my bay window you know sitting in the sun journaling and sometimes mm-hmm. it's like you know, coffee at a coffee shop and a bunch of friends. Like I really am versatile at this stage. Mm-hmm. I, I did a performance art piece when I was in college because I, I produced a shit ton of plays in college and it was a graduate performance art class ab- about the creative process oh, nice. where I, I, I laid out a sheet and I put raisins and popcorn and coffee and I was on my belly with all these scraps of paper everywhere. And I just, for, I think it was two hours, I just wrote, but it was like letting people, it was in a art installation. I was in a art museum, letting people walk by and watch my creative process. Cause when oh, I was nice. in college, I kid you not for four or five years, that's what it looked like. I was on my belly. I always had popcorn, coffee and raisins. Like, like I lived on that. Nice. <laughs> I think junk food is so important to the writing process. <laughs> we talked about this in the last episode with this guy, Steve Windsor. And, and you know, and, and it's actually, there's a beautiful book called The Frustrated Songwriter's Handbook, where they talk about, um, they do, you can do this 20 song challenge, which is where you take the entire day and you write 20 songs. And it's just mm. a, brilliant. And they, one, one of the things they say it is like, go for junk food, like go for any kind of comfort food, like let yourself go. And, I, yeah. and there's something about um, eating whatever the hell you want with no consequences in the writing process that seems to go together really well. That's awesome. That worked for me in college. You know, I'm 40 now. I'm, <laughs> I'm way more interested in sustainability. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's, um, it's, it's a beautiful thing for, you know, people find their own. And I think it is superstition. I think, I think writers and artists are a bit superstitious about, totally. ooh, these settings are, are the, you know, this is, this evokes the muse. Like we're looking for the combination that's going to let the heavens crack open and creativity run through us. Uh-huh. And I've just internalized all of those, uh, I don't know. They're, it's sort of like Dumbo's feather. I don't need mm-hmm. the feather anymore. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is, it's funny. I, I do find myself 
I, I would so much rather not have these superstitions because I see how they block me. One of the things that comes up for me is is the medium I'm writing on. And mm-hmm. it's almost like an alarm clock, you know? So when you get a new alarm clock, uh, it, it, you're, you're waking up. But then sometimes you get used to it after a while and it doesn't, it doesn't have that magic. It doesn't work anymore. And so what I found is um, I started writing on Evernote um, and then I would actually, I would do a lot of writing on my phone. Um, not mm-hmm. on purpose if I had my computer there, but sometimes I'd just be out and I'd think of something and I'd start writing on my phone. And there was something my mind didn't, didn't take my phone seriously. <laughs> and so, so it's like I would just write and it would just come out and it would not edit it, not, you know, and it'd be simple. But as soon as I sat down in front of my computer and opened up a Word document and then, and then it would like send this signal to my brain that says, okay, now we're writing. And then that was uh-huh. just dangerous because now, now we're writing. <laughs> but if I was just messing around or there's something about, you know, for whatever reason, and I, I wish I didn't have this stuff, to be honest. It's just what I've noticed. <laughs> I love the, the WordPress, um, the WordPress uh, distraction-free writing thing they have now. And so I like writing on WordPress versus writing on a Word document on my computer. Like uh-huh. For some reason, Microsoft Word and writing into that, uh, it messes, messes with my brain. Um, <laughs> but writing straight into to, to WordPress is nice. Um, writing straight into Evernote is nice. Doing it on my phone is nice. Um, but, I just can't. It's like, and I can't. I can't understand it. But it, some things, the, I my. It, it's like the, to, it's like it's like playing tricks on my mind or something. You know. The moral of the story is what works for you. Do that. Yeah, yeah, and it's constantly changing too, which yeah. is really strange. Good. Like I can't even picture myself writing on a on with pen and paper, <laughs> but I imagine that I I could, and I don't. I mean, I should try that sometime. Whole <laughs> concept, you know, it's, it's amazing. But um, it's yeah, it's it's a really it's a really funny thing, or or just just situations that I'd be in, you know. And I had this. Um, oh, there was a place in Claremont where I used to get my car fixed all the time, and I brought my my laptop once, and it was like an hour, so I just waited. And I did some of the best writing in that waiting room because I had nothing else to do. They didn't have internet there. And so mm-hmm. all I had was my laptop. So I just wrote. And it was so good. And I remember actually talking to a coach about this. I was uh, I had this in this coaching session. And I said, oh, I want to write more. And he's like, well, where do you write well? And I'm like, well, actually, the last place I went was the garage where I got my car repaired. And he's like, well, can you go back there? And I was like, I I guess. I mean, even if my car is not getting fixed, I know them pretty well. And I actually went back there without getting my car fixed. I went back there just to sit in that room to see if that was going to work. Um, and of course it didn't because I had it, you know, that it now that it needed to work, but so weird. And this is, this is my life. This is what I go through. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what are some um, who are some of your influences? You mentioned Julia Cameron. You know, it really, it sounds like the artist way really resonates with you. Um, who mm-hmm. your, who are some of your other influences in 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 your writing and your art? Mm, I Kurt Vonnegut and I, I I'm very seasonal with that. It's like Ani DeFranco as a songwriter, you mm. know, touches me to no end. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's that's a very formative when I was, when I was blossoming as an artist, she was 
there to coax me out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that'll never go away, but it's not relevant now. And I do find that I go through kind of cycles and seasons and, um, my spiritual teachers are way more influential on me than actual, you know, writers and other artists, mm-hmm. but especially, you know, those who've transmitted in a way that has opened, you know, an awakening for me. It's like those, those people in my life that are spiritual doorways, mm-hmm. they're inspirations. A lot of times I feel I'm writing for them mm-hmm. and not for them as, as readers, as audience, but for them, like, like, thank you. I stand on your shoulders and I'm going to tell the world what you've helped me see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you say, um, is your biggest fear as a writer? Well, you know, I'll share my biggest shadow, Mm -hmm. which is I'm shit for spelling and grammar. And, um, I have a lot of shame about that. I feel, you know, like there's a little voice that says you're not a real writer because you, you know, use a colon, semicolon improperly. And, you know, Um, spelling bees can be traumatic growing up. Yeah, yeah, and, and and for me the trauma was that I'm I was dyslexic mm-hmm. and I was misunderstood, so I was put in special ed, and I actually, you know, I I learned to read and write in a trailer with like, you know, the kid to the left had spinal bifida, and the, and then there's Down syndromes in the same class, and it was like I thought mm-hmm. I was retarded because that's how I was treated, and it's yeah. like I just had I just had dyslexia, mm-hmm. and so. So I so I have a lot of shame around letters jumbling for me and words, and and at the same time I kind of bear that like across like oh I'll never learn to spell and, and yeah. I just need to myself more because I don't it doesn't actually um so that's I mean I don't know that that's a fear but that's a vulnerability that's sort sure. of my Achilles heel as a as a writer and. God bless my proofreaders and editors. Like, uh-huh. thank you. I'm so grateful I don't have to be good at all aspects of writers, yeah. writing and that people who are willing to do the, you know, dirty administrative work that I'm too lazy to uh-huh. retrain myself in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder if in 50 years, you know, spelling is, is this going to be kind of a thing of the past? You know, because I know when, even when I was growing up, I mean, like spelling was really, it was important and, you know, and spell checkers hadn't, hadn't totally kind of obliterated that need. Um, so I actually think it's the other way around. Yeah. I think in 50 years we'll be much better spellers. Huh. And the reason I say that is because, believe it or not, as I've coached writers in the years that spell, you know, pre-spell check and after spell check, um, writers have learned to spell because spell check, like going through a dictionary, dictionary spelling is fucking laborious, you know, but now we don't even need spell check. We get this automatic little red line that underlines a word when it's misspelled. And Mm -hmm. so it gives you that chance in the moment to be like, Oh, what's the, what's the proper word? And you end up either rewriting it or catching it um, and so it corrects you real time. I believe yeah. those kinds of technological advances make us even better spellers than 
than before. I totally noticed that in myself too. Wow, that's so fascinating. And you can always like right click on it to see the answer in a sense. But then there's like that. Well, why don't I just change one letter? Because after you've misspelled it a couple of times, you kind of know, like for whatever reason, I keep spelling the word ridiculous wrong. And so <laughs> I get that. I get. I get the red line, and then I. Oh, it's the I instead of the E. You know, and then. And I totally it noticed that, though. That's really feel, interesting. We will learn faster with real-time correction than the delayed reaction of, oh, let me write a paper and then later have to relook up everything. So we're doing oh, good. Yeah. As a, you know, we are evolving, you know, in our, in our language skills. Our yeah. technology is actually helping us. That's good. That's awesome to know. I mean, it's just like touch typing, too. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean when was the last time people needed to work on typing? I mean, we, we just type <laughs> so much and we're chatting. I mean, I remember taking a, a class in high school on, on, on typing. And then what happened when I got to college is I was on uh, AOL Instant Messenger all the time and chatting with people. And, and then all of a sudden I, I, I turned to look and, and I was just typing extremely fast because I had all this practice because I was having conversations by typing, you know, and, and writing. So, yeah, it's, it's really cool how technology does that for us. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what, what else, is there anything else that you still struggle with today as a writer? Is there anything that, that is still kind of like, man, this is like, this is my, my burden or, um, you know, what else do you, what else do you, do you wrestle with maybe on a, on a, on a daily basis as a writer? Right. So I wrestle with, you know, I believe every writer has a desire to say something original. You mm-hmm. know, nobody wants to reinvent the wheel, even though um, postmodernists would argue that everything has already been said and we're just recycling things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I really am a pioneer in my nature, like I'm a visionary and I'm most interested in what's not being said or not, you know, not being said in a new way or, and that, um, that has a big shadow to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I, you know, I feel I'm so grateful cause I have so many writers and I can say I'm not alone in this. And so mm-hmm. as I speak story, I, I know I'm, I'm telling our listener like, Hey, it's okay. If you feel like, um, you have the most original thought in the world. And then later you're like, fuck, somebody's already said it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the, the other pieces I go through this wide wing of, um, in the white hot writing phase, I think this is so brilliant. And I get almost like snobbishly arrogant about what's coming through. Mm-hmm. And then in the editing phase, I put my editing hat on and I get devastatingly critical and sometimes even self-loathing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, I know I'm not alone in that. No, you know, for sure not alone. alone. <laughs> um, but all of that's ego. You know, all of that is trying to look good as the messenger. Mm-hmm. And the real pristine writing has nothing to do with me. It's mm-hmm. like, look, there's a, there's a message here and it doesn't matter what it says about the messenger. It's just, am I getting the message across? Am I really connecting? And I, am I really singing my song? Mm-hmm. And so I get in my own way, uh, with my self critique. Mm-hmm. 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 Nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, totally. I think you're definitely not alone in that. So, <laughs> um. 
So, okay, another question. So if you could go back in time, and certainly writing has been a, just a theme almost throughout your entire life, but to maybe like you in college, you know, and, you know, have taken the, the 20 or so years of experience that you've had now, and you could just slip yourself a note that would, you know, be on the blanket next to the, the raisins and M&Ms <laughs> or whatever that was. Um, right. what, would that, what would that note say? Really pro- provocative question. I love it. Oh, um, Try to include the imagery too. You know, that's very important. Oh yeah, except uh, you know it's popcorn, not M and M's. Popcorn, that's uh, right. <laughs> Pop- was it raisins, raisins, popcorn, and right? Coffee. And coffee, yeah, coffee. I, I think it would be one word, and it's just listen. And it's the same thing I would tell myself now. Um, mm-hmm. There's. When we're like, even with you and I talking right now, we sort of like, we're filled with, Ooh, I've got exciting things to share or say, or, and then we're kind of stepping on each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's, um, that's a beautiful co-creation and the, the most pristine sort of like writing for me comes from a deeper place of listening. Mm. And there's a, What's underneath that? You know, what's underneath what I think I want to say? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really proud of what I've written and what I will write. Like, I, I have a, a trust in the writing process. I feel graced and blessed to be given the gift of word. Mm-hmm. But all of the words that have come through me are in direct proportion to my listening. If they're to have any quality, it mm-hmm. comes from how well do I listen? Mm-hmm. And especially dialogue, you know, dialogue is like overheard cadence and, and empathy for what another person's plight is. And there's so much richness that comes through just being able to listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I, you know, that word too has really evolved for me over the years where, you know, the first thing we hear listen is kind of like from our parents saying like, you should listen more. But then there's, <laughs> there's this like, um, yeah, like the richness and the depth uh, that I really get when you, when you talk about what listening means to you. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's, it, it's um, yeah, it's like a finding out what's underneath. Mm-hmm. that you're really speaking to that's really beautiful yeah mm-hmm. yeah thanks well um i want to say thanks so much for um for joining me and yeah it's like such a pleasure I, i'm going to link to everything we talked about and um sweet is is the when's fridays with my bitch coming out well because i have a new project that just sort of landed on my lap um i'll likely put 52 fridays on mm-hmm. I don't know. I I like to think of putting creative projects not on hold, but more in like on the cooker, like Mm -hmm. for more gestation, like like a slow cooker. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to let that cook a little bit more as I work on this new project. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't have a coming out date, but I will let you know the more exciting thing is my how to write a book in 90 days. That's Mm -hmm. a course that I absolutely love teaching and it is 
um, a Facebook-centered course. So it's something that people can all over the world connect with me on. Um, the audio and the and the teachings come up on Facebook. So oh, we'll nice. uh, we'll we'll add a link to that uh, so I can let people know that that's going to be coming up this year. Yeah. What What's the link to that? You can just say it now too, in case people are I, on the computers. Don't. I don't have it now, but okay. it will be kamaladevi.com. So you can go to, you know, everything that I offer will be available on kamaladevi.com. Okay. And with that course, how does that work? Is that something that you start a class for and then there's like a start date or is you do it individually? Or? No, absolutely. Yeah. The, um, the how to write a book in 90 days has that kind of momentum of a group starting together and moving oh. together. Yeah. Um, I have done it so many times that somebody can do it at, at their own self pace. But if, if so, they at least need to be associated with a group of other people that kind of know the form. Otherwise it's just too grueling. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what I want to say about it is that, you know, in the, in the handful of times that I have done it, I'll get a group together and one third of that group will actually finish their book in 90 days. And when I say finish, it's finish a draft mm-hmm. of a book in 90 days. One third of the group drops out and says, are you fucking kidding me? This is way craziness. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah. And then the other third of the group writes more than they've ever imagined they've written, but come nowhere near finishing a book, but it's still mm-hmm. like more than they've ever written in their life. Nice. And, and the hilarious thing is that it's absolutely been consistent you know, that, uh, whether it's a dozen or, you know, 25 people taking the class, it's always a third of the group will complete it. So I've got a little scientific injunction started to see Uh if that, that's just, I'd love to raise my ratios and get everyone to finish, but that's sort of how it works. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, cool. What a pleasure, Buddha. What a, what a wonderful, valuable thing that you're gifting our fellow writers. Um, you know, thanks for the interview and, and all the insights. Yeah. It's been really amazing seeing the response so far. And, and yeah, it's the sense that like, oh my gosh, you know, we're, we're not, we're not alone. We're all in this together and, and nothing makes me happier. Actually, you know, recently what, what's happened is, is I'll get emails, um, recently from a friend, John Morgan, who, he said, man, I, I've been tabling my writing for a while, but after listening to a few of the podcasts, totally inspired me, and, and I'm finally writing short stories again, and then this is going to be the year where I share short, short stories. And then he sent me something that he had just written uh, just right after the show. Uh, he listened to the show and wrote this um, short story, and it was just beautiful. And I just, it was so moving. Like, nothing is better. Because you can hear the, you can hear people saying, oh, you know, I really liked your work. I really liked this. But to see people go out and do their thing as a result of you, that's just the best. Sweet. So, yeah. Cool. Well, well thank Mala you. Debbie, and I'll look forward to talking to you soon. Mm-hmm. Blessings, Buddha. Bye.